Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. All right, so I am joined by a really cool friend of mine, uh, and someone that I've had the privilege of doing some photography alongside as well, um, and someone I have a lot of respect for. So Tanya Musgrave is joining us today to talk about something really cool. So Tanya, thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, I love it. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for having um, me. So tell us, uh, tell us a bit about who you are and what you do. I Well, I am a filmmaker photographer, and I am currently uh, acting as creative director for a small nonprofit media company up in Idaho. And so Good to Go Media is a nonprofit media company that was kind of born out of um, a need for support within our church for good media. So the easiest way to explain this is to kind of introduce a little bit of what my boss is like. And Fred Cornforth, he's an actual he's actually a real estate developer. And like he had he had a big interest in media and particularly media within the church, because it seems to have a little bit of a deficit <laughs> in its quality. And that's kind of talking about um, Christian media in general. And he really wanted to invest in that without having to, <laughs> without having to deal with a lot of our committees, because you know how we love committees and, you know, all of that fun stuff. But at the same time, not necessarily being overtly Christian and, you know, that kind of thing. Um but in particular, he also has a heart for for teaching and for nonprofits, you know, helping, you know, he started to get involved with uh, a lot of nonprofits in the area. And so he started getting requests for um, advice for nonprofits. Uh, so he, he started um, kind of helping and mentoring people who were starting up their own nonprofits. And he said, well, maybe we should just start kind of a boot camp, kind of this educational program where we can help people figure out their 501c3 or figure out financing or accounting and that kind of thing. And then he started thinking about the other areas where we could use that, and media was one of them. And so that's kind of how Collab, uh, the media and film event, was born. And in particular, I did a lot of chatting with alumni from the same program that I had gone through 
you know, I, I did the film and visual arts program in uh, at Southern. And, you know, it, it prepares you so well for production, for making it, for uh, writing it, for, you know, kind of visualizing and executing what you want, that kind of thing. However, in the vast majority of programs, even, I mean, I had somebody talk to me about it, like their, their random program up in Ithaca, New York, and it was the same way. There's a deficit when it comes to learning the business side of things. Um, mm. All of the alumni, it didn't matter if they were first years out or 10 years out, they were all really wanting to know about financing, about the legal side, about marketing and distribution. And so, you know, we, we ended up forming this kind of event and, and um, arranging it around the needs of what I had been hearing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think moving, moving the church forward in this kind of area is going to take a lot of individual effort um, and investment. And so I'm, I, I'm personally grateful for something like this existing. So you mentioned the collab event and that's really what you're, what you're kind of here to talk about. So tell me about the collab event. Tell me what, how it came together and, um, who it's for, what's its purpose. So the collab film and media conference, it's a two day event. It's the September eight and nine. And it's in Redlands, California. And it, we have keynotes, we'll have workshops, um, we'll have all of these kinds of, like, the, the purpose for this networking event is to kind of focus on the business side of content creation, uh, like financing your project, legal guidelines to protect your content and distributing your content. Um, like, the main, the main reason, uh, the main audience being media professionals within the Adventist church or media or, or people who have an interest in getting into media who have come through our programs and kind of found that deficit in those particular areas. So for instance, a lot of our presenters and the people working, uh, a lot of our presenters and people putting on our workshops, there are, um, business strategists, you know, like we have Louise Levison who wrote, <laughs> wrote the book Film and Financing. She taught at UCLA for like 20 plus years about financing films for independence. You know, we have some people um, who have their projects on Netflix and, and have distrib uh, distribution by Lionsgate or people who have uh, worked on the accounting side of things um, for films like Avatar. And, you know, so what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring the people who are attainable, you know, like if that makes sense, you know, because you can, oh, even, even like uh, in LA, they have tons of events where you can go and where you can go and listen to like the top and the top of the top, but they're not, they're not accessible. Like they're not accessible to ask their questions. Um, or to ask very specific questions about their particular business, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. And we wanted to give an opportunity for that to happen and create a space where people can be at least open and vulnerable about their certain projects because, you know, media has a good way of masking a lot of that vulnerable side of things, especially if you're a content creator and you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, well, I made a feature and, you know, everyone's impressed and, you know, it's – yeah. Despite the fact that you're eating ramen and popcorn and <laughs> you have to <laughs> and you have to figure out how to sell this thing or else you're you're in the hole however many thousands or millions of dollars, you know. So I think a big part of this too is a lot of the collaboration and networking that you get with 
a lot of people that are in the same boat as you. Um, and it, it can very, very easily turn into, uh, you know, misery loves company. So it can easily turn into a, a whinging session where it's just like, ah, 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 that sucks kind of thing. However, at the same time, um, man, if I could... If I could dream big, I would love to see a lot more collaboration between all the individual little tiny efforts that have been happening. Because, I mean, unfortunately, it's a reality. We don't really have support from our church. Um, Our church doesn't very often hire media specialists, and they very rarely, if they do, trust them to do their job. And so what, so what you see is a lot of kind of these individual things and endeavors popping up. And what I'd love to see is a lot more collaboration of that. So what this kind of provides is a networking space where people can come together and realize, hey, I, I know somebody who does this. I know somebody who does that. But then also, you know, there's collaboration between different departments. There's an animation company that's trying to get off the ground I think they might be part of our pitch competition you know it's just like that kind of thing um and they do effects you know so it's there's there are different parts of the body that we can all kind of join Mm -hmm. in together uh for but really I mean if you're if you're putting it in church standards like the church at least especially when it comes to media is not well known with being a good steward of what we've been giving, um, of what we've been given, like our talents, knowing the business side and knowing how to best utilize that. I mean, if we are like technically missional, you know, if like if the if the Adventist church is actually kind of like missional and serious about that, then why are we not putting all of our money towards network television you know, like <laughs> Netflix yeah. series, films, you know, I mean, Hacksaw Ridge was, you know, like how, how many people did that reach versus, okay, all right, I, I remember this endeavor to get a great controversy in every single home in America. Mm. I want to I guess it was about the same budget too. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean – I guess in that respect, like that's a that's a personal thing for me. Like that's kind of like a chip on my shoulder that I have. But really, this is, yeah, that like we've 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 wanted to do an event like this for a while now, where we can provide what we can for people and kind of piggyback on you know because like sunscreen, we have sunscreen, which is our our Adventist Student Film Festival, uh, and that used to do. Um, workshops and it was great they would bring in speakers and they still do they still bring in speakers they still have a way of networking and that kind of thing however there are far less workshops where people can go and learn and um, kind of learn about the nuts and bolts and the brass tacks about mm-hmm. how to function as a as a media professional so yeah now you mentioned a pitch competition and a giveaway so can yes. you give give me some information on that so a big part of our event is not only the keynotes, the workshops, and the networking and all of that fun stuff, but we also want to put our money where our mouth is, and we want to help finance a project. And so we are giving away $35,000 in prize money to help fund content creation or media startups or any other media-related endeavors. So the cash prize breakdown would be first place at $20,000. Um, the second place would be 10000 and third place at five. And so 
I mean, if that's <laughs> if that's not putting your money where your mouth is, I mean, where else can you learn? Where else can yeah. you win twenty grand at? <laughs> at, an and, and at yeah, I was gonna say I've never I've never heard a giveaway that that was that was that much. Mm-hmm. Honestly, and on, and like I would almost prefer that all of our bigger conferences would be smaller so that we could do giveaways like this and things yeah. like this so that we we could give a larger portion to people to actually go do mission. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's awesome. So, so how, how do they enter? The pitch competition. What do they? What what needs to happen? So basically, what they do is um, they'll go onto the site, and I can I can give all of that information later. But you basically go to goodtogomedia.org, and there's a, a click through to the Eventbrite page, and there is uh, an upload form after you um, after you um, after you pay the entrance fee and get through that um, the. There will be a place for you to upload your pitch deck, your financial breakdown, your business plan, you know, proof of concept, all of that fun stuff. We want developed ideas. We don't want any (laughs) developed ideas. And this is how we're kind of fostering this is like, all right, you have to meet us halfway, get your get your idea off of the napkin and get us get us actually developed ideas. And the top six finalists will will go through those and the top six finalists will present their idea at CoLab. Uh, there in September, and the top three will be rewarded. <laughs> awesome, but, very mm-hmm. cool. So, um, any and just so listeners, so that you know, all of this information is in the show notes for this episode. So just go to the show notes, and all the links are there. You can click right from your phone. Um, all the information that you need to register to sign up, everything is right there. Um, so just open up the uh, episode details and uh, or go to Good to Go Media. Was it dot org? Right. Yep. Good to Go um, Media. And, yeah. So there you go. Tanya, thank you so much for coming on. um, And thank you for working so hard in this kind of area and to help grow the creative industry within Adventism and and invest in creatives. Um, So uh, listeners, once again, if you want to check out the show notes, uh, make sure to um, follow all the links. Even If you're even remotely interested, go check it out. Um, And Tanya, thanks again. I look forward to the time that we get to work together. Um, Again, I love uh, shooting with you. The one thing that we did together was shooting someone's proposal. Um, and it was awesome. And so Tanya, I really appreciate you and what you're doing. Thank you for coming on. Um, and hopefully I'll see you soon. So just before we get back into the actual episode for today, I do want to let you know, Colab is offering absurdity listeners a 20% off discount. All you have to do when you register is enter in the discount code absurdity in all caps, and you'll get 20% off. Go check this out. If you think it's something you might be interested in, I think it's something all creatives could benefit from. So please go check this out. All the links are in the show notes. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Absurdity. And this is cool. This is actually, surprise, surprise, the final Wakanda recording. Yeah. This is it. This is the final one of the Wakanda recordings. Are we calling them the Wakanda recordings? Yeah, just like we call them the Michigan recordings, the yeah. um because we're Chattanooga in Camp Wakanda. Yeah, yeah. Because we're in Camp Wakanda in Wisconsin and it was named this prior to the movie. Prior to the movie. Different spelling. And it's a different spelling, but we are in Wakanda. I'm still saying Wakanda forever. Okay. I mean, so does everyone here. So, it's fine. It is what it is. I do feel a little bit bad for um Oh, what's the actor's name? He played the the, the Chala. Um, oh, I can't remember his name. Yeah. Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman. I do feel a little bit bad for him because he's just public. He's had to publicly be like, "Can you stop 
Like I can't do it every single time. Like every every single time someone meets me, that they, they that reminds stop. me of that that scene from Robot Chicken where Ever Palpatine is going up the escalator, and he keep has having to he keeps has a ha, with the words I can use words he keeps having to say hi to all yeah. the clo- all the yeah. clones that are yeah. the stormtroopers that are coming that's a, down. That's a, yeah, I yeah. love it. Um, so I'm really excited about this because for the first time ever. Yeah, actually, technically, yes. But for the first time in over, what, four years? Five years almost? Four years. The three of us, That's Stephen Hall, yeah. Tony and Nobley, and myself, are Close all five, in yeah. the same room together at the same time. At the same yeah. time. Yeah. Yep. Um, it has been a long time coming. And now, also for the first time ever, the three of us are on this podcast together. Yeah. Together. Yeah. Uh, Steve, you've been interviewed for um, Patreon, and you were on like my third or fourth episode yeah, like real somewhere. early in the run yeah real early um, in the run. so this is really cool um to see how this is kind of all shaped out we're so close to episode 100 yeah. and um it, it's just wild so i'm excited because two of my best friends are on the show today um and we're going to talk about something that is going to be a little bit fun just just like a tiny bit still um, just a, just just a no, tad no controversy over this yeah just just a tad bit controversial Skosh. no problem it's fine um, so yeah, we're, we are closing the final day of Wisconsin's camp meeting and Tony came out from Michigan to hang out with us, drove five hours yesterday and through like three different accidents, not that he caused them or he was in them, but he had to drive past them. Through them. Yeah. yeah. And coming. Just cause of. Yeah. Oh, you guys are good. No worries. Recording a podcast, just there's nowhere to record, so we commandeered the uh, common area. The common room. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, so the it was, it was pretty crazy. It was pretty crazy going through Chicago and Milwaukee. I had to go through Chicago. two major Chicago. Go Bears. Um, I had to go through two major cities to get here, which you wouldn't think going from Berrien Springs, to, but I had to go through Chicago and Milwaukee to get here, which is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I'm slightly confused because I've driven down to, like I've driven from Madison yeah. through Chicago yeah. down to Indiana, yeah. and I did not go through Milwaukee. It's, if you want to pay tolls, you can go that way. But the, it's more direct. Yeah, but the way that you don't oh, have okay. to pay so any you didn't tolls. want to pay tolls. Okay, no. so you you don't care about the roads. Gotcha. So technically, it was six hours with the traffic, but yeah. it's we've done it both who's, ways. Who's counting? Yeah, who who is besides counting? me and me? <laughs> so today we're talking about something that uh, this came out or this came up on Twitter in my on my Twitter feed um, just a few weeks ago, actually. Well, now that we're recording this four weeks in advance, um, it is, uh, something that came out probably about a month and a half ago on my Twitter feed where, um, someone was complaining about the way that Christians have treated those, uh, outside of, you know, outside of their own group. Mm. And I kind of respond, I realized in this moment when I, when I thought about it, someone tweeted that out and I, and I got to thinking about it and I responded with, like basically, it seems that throughout history, Christianity has never been okay unless it comes at the expense of the other or of the ex- at the expense of those outside 
our camp, right? Um, it almost seems like anytime Christianity seems like it's good in the world, like there's the, like it has a solid footing, like it's the majority thing, whatever. It seems like there's something else that not not just like is allowed to exist, but is actively suffering, almost as a result or as a direct requirement of our success or of our um, flourishing, thriving. Yeah, it's a zero sum game. Yeah, and it's and someone it's, has to win, someone has to lose. And it's interesting to me because I, I thought about that and I was like, this is. Is this the way it has to be? Like, to some extent, uh, if, if, if your group is the kind of ruling body or ruling power, then there is going to, to some extent, or the majority power, there is to some extent going to be some, you know, disagreement, some conflict that arises, things like that. But I'm, I'm wondering if that's actually a necessary thing. And so I'm, I'm glad to have both of you on because, I mean, well, Tony, you're my co-host. But Clearly, I'm an expert. Um, That's why I, I'm No, here. I'm just, I'm excited to basically just kind of talk through this and, and figure this out. And so I guess my first thought is, or my first question to ask and throw it out to, eat, to, to you guys is, um, what are some instances in, our, in, in Christian history, not just Adventist, but Christian history, where this has been the case, where uh, we have excluded those outside the camp and where we've actively said like, or, or, or you know, we've been good at the expense of those outside the camp. I mean, I feel like the majority of Christendom's history deals with that struggle. You know what I mean? I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. You said that the first thing that popped into my head was the crusades. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? So it's like, it's, it's not something that's recently systemic. I think it's something that we can look at almost from inception to now as being a struggle that we face. I would say, yeah, when we stopped being the minority church or the minority religion, when we became the accepted religion, that was when it started to happen. Like when we became the winners and not the, the underdogs, I think that's when you began to start to see it where it was like everyone wanted to be a part of this fun club and 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 that's when you really, really began to see, like, eventually that would lead to the Crusades and different things like that. So I'd say there may be, like, two, three hundred years, uh, maybe maybe even as many as four hundred years, um, you know, where the, the early church really was this underdog. It was, it was not, um, you know, they were really encouraged, if you read through a lot of the New Testament, it's like, hey, be a positive part of your society, go, like, you know, be a good citizen, you know, the end of Romans that kind of stuff. Well, you, you see and, that from scripture, but like from a yeah, practical, from a practical standpoint, perspective, like, yeah, that's kind of when that and, and, switched and, and, over. I, I might be referencing something. If you hadn't listened to the, the, the episode that we did with Zach Payne on like prejudice and the Sabbath, but he pointed out that even from a very early, like point in the church's history, the idea of us and them and exclusion came into play yeah. regarding the Sabbath and just yeah. trying people to differentiate, you know, from what came before in, in, in Judaism and yeah. things like that. So I, I think it's, it's, it's been very early on that that's been a struggle that the church has had to live up to the, the ideals that Jesus set forth in Scripture, right? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to wonder and, and almost trying to counterpoint myself if I can, yeah. and I can't think of anything. I'm trying to think of a time where we weren't the ones in power, we weren't the majority or accepted group, and we also weren't oppressed. By, like actively, or there wasn't a group of press. Like has the, or 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 let me let me be even more 
specific. Has there ever been a time, or more clear with the question, has there ever been a time where no group was oppressed at like, and no group was 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 at the expense of the majority group, right? Like I mean, whoever was in see, power, th- those yeah. outside didn't actively suffer; they were just allowed to live their lives. Like I think you can see that in some some of the more modern, not more modern, that's a, in the larger cities today. I think you kind of can see that, especially with some of the larger non non denominational churches. Um, you're really seeing them integrate with society. Um, I think a lot of, in a lot of parts of the West in America, it's still the dominant force. Um, I think in those places, we're still like, if you're not a Christian, it's, it's not oppressive per se, but it is very much like, no, you're going to live in our world. You know, like I went to a rodeo and they prayed beforehand, you know, to the Christian God. It wasn't like a kind of all nations come to. It was like, no, we're praying to Jesus and anyone who doesn't like it can get out on the, you know what I mean? That kind of a thing. And so I feel like, so while that's still happening, you do have pockets of places where Christians are like, we want to integrate in society. You'll have places like, I mean, there's kind of the joke, uh, uh, Remy. I can't remember his name. He's a, he's a comedian. He's a Muslim comedian. And he goes, it's funny because, you know, back in the old country, um, you know, you had to be an atheist who had to come out to the, your religious friends. And he goes, now I'm a religious guy who has to kind of come out to my atheist friends and, and explain that. And so you, you kind of have a balance in some places where you have like non-religion or a religion, um, you know, kind of saying, well, it's ridiculous to believe. You still have places where Christianity is the dominant force. But I think there are pockets where you have that, where it's like we really just want to integrate ourselves into the community. To just we want to be, we want to make people the best type of people. And if you want to come join us, this is the God that teaches us how to do that. And I think you saw that a little bit at the beginning of the early church. Um and I think you saw that, I mean, it's, it's, it was for a few hundred years, you know what I mean? So that's, that's a long time. It's just like compared to the rest of time, it doesn't seem that long. And I think you have it in small pockets here, but I don't see it as a grand scheme. No, I don't see any one particular time where everyone was people just, just kind of, yeah, just like just coexisted. And I think to a degree, the nature of the Christian church is one, especially with evangelism, that maybe we don't maybe we don't necessarily need to feed on the suffering of other people your your pain nourishes me but um it is something that's built to grow like naturally so there is a degree of like it's either going to atrophy or grow there's no like stable middle ground well and 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 or it's not meant to have theoretically a like the goal of christianity is to kind of transform its community or tra- and, you know add more christians and, yeah. and but the difference is that the the evangelism model that i even see in in the gospels and in the epistles is one of inviting rather than demanding it is mm-hmm. inviting people into yes. a relationship with god not demanding they live as if they have one yeah um you know it's very much um in other words, but the way we, the way that Christians seem to treat the world currently is the other way around. We demand that 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 you live by our standards, regardless of what you believe, and we do this, uh, we do this all over the place. Um, and what's funny is, and I can think of 
kind of several things just within the last couple of weeks that have happened that 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 echo this, right? So the what we currently do in our academies, even to some extent, in our schools with youth uh, and in churches, and this is, goes across denominations, we expect that the youth, when they're in church, they're going to behave like Christians, even if they haven't bought into it yet. We, ha- we hold them to a certain standard um, before they've bought into it. Now, granted, it's a school. You have every right to make the rules. I'm not saying the rules are bad. I'm just saying, like, that is kind of a microcosm of, of the greater thing. And here's what I mean by the greater thing. Netflix, I th- it was it Amazon Prime or Netflix that did uh, the Good Omens series? It was Amazon. It was Amazon. Mm-hmm. And I think Netflix is somehow involved with it because Netflix recently, um, amid thousands of complaints from Christians, said that they were not going to air anymore or make any more Good Omens. Yes, I know. That was a weird headline. Was it, because was it Good Omens or Lucifer? No, it was Good Omens. Okay. And Good Omens is a show. It's brand new. And I think John Hamm plays the Angel Gabriel as, a, as one of the kind of big shots behind the screen. But basically, the, the premise of that show is an angel, a fallen angel, like literally an angel that fell from is, and is on the earth. And um, the... One of the, it's one of the one guardians of the, demons, of the... Yeah. One of the demons, they basically have to team up to stop the end of the world. And their whole... And and because the Antichrist was born, right, and they're based yeah. on an Alan Moore yeah, work so, from yeah, yeah yes. that's Amazon. No, it's, it's so Neil Gaiman, isn't it? Is it Neil Gaiman? Yeah, you're right. You're so you're right. the Christians outcried at this. This was offensive to them. They they you know they they um, and so they wrote in and said, no, this show isn't okay. Like get rid of it, right? And I was reading the comments because I find all my news on Reddit, and I was reading the comments on this, and one guy was saying, he's like, I was once watching some movie with my girlfriend. And after the movie, I said I had liked it. And she asked, well, what did you like about her? What was your favorite part? And he said, oh, well, I think the, the reason I liked this movie so much is because for a change, the bad guys won. And like in every movie, the good guys seem to always win. And he's like, yeah, I just thought it was different, whatever. He doesn't really believe in God. He was just whatever. But he was just cool that this movie did something different, right? Broke the formula. And apparently his girlfriend got super offended and super angry at him and was offended that he would like something where the bad guy wins because that's against her beliefs, right, and, uh, Christian beliefs. And so it's this weird thing where we, we get offended by something, which really, honestly, is just, it just is a thing, right? That's not it's really fiction, yeah. Yeah, it's fiction, but we get offended by it it's to the point that we say, if I'm offended by it, it can't exist, right? And we, and, and we project that onto other people, <laughs> um, which I think is also funny, but yeah, that's that's what we that's what I see Christians doing a lot is something happened we didn't like and we just and because we don't like it we equate that with being offended by it or that offends my beliefs or my God so it can no longer exist. Well, and the funny thing is we kind of we have very short term memory. Um, for a long time, there were blue laws all over this country that basically said you can't do business on Sunday because that was considered the Sabbath. You can't, you know, you have to live your life regardless of your religion, according to the Protestant, not even Catholic, like Protestant interpretation of Christianity in order to exist in this country. And it's, it's hilarious to me because it's like, well, I had so many Christian areas or, or organizations that are like, Oh, we're under persecution. I'm like, no, we're not. We're just not on. We're not able to throw our beliefs on top of everyone else anymore. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and it's like it's not persecution. It's just it's the middle ground. Um, 
I mean, I, 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 I had so many people saying like, oh, well, Lucifer's on television. It means that, you know, the world is ending in devil's guy. And I'm like, there are way worse things in the world than like than climate that. change. Yeah. Or that I mean, I mean, I'm just talking about like what's going the, on in Sudan. Well, yeah, exactly. You know I mean, I mean there's, like, there's so many more things that point there to are way worse things that are way right. less Christianized. And here's the thing, yes, even when, urgent. even when people, and this is what cracks me up. Even when people like deviate from the accepted biblical standard, they're still telling a Christian story, even if it's not one that we accept or whatever they're playing within our rules. It was like, you should be way more offended about Thor then you shouldn't be about that because it's like it's that's saying that the the those gods exist and well, ours doesn't. I mean, they're playing; they're still playing within our world. They just don't necessarily see it the way we do. It's interesting to me that when I look at the Gospels, specifically the ministry of Christ, how he would deal or interact with cultures that did not honor or uphold what would be considered a godly standard of the day, right? Uh, interacting with Roman culture, with... with uh, a Phoenician woman. R- right, all these different things. And correct me if I'm wrong, but never do I see in Scripture Jesus himself getting so bent out of shape that they're not obeying him in the way that Scripture calls to, but he deals with them in a way that says, I, I love you and I, I value you as a person and my love can change you. Yeah. Well, that I was going to say, the, yeah, what I see from him. The only, the only times I see Jesus get angry are when religious people are the ones that are not doing the right thing. Right. Religious leaders yeah, specifically who claim leaders. to be the ones that are arbiters of truth, misappropriating that truth. I love the, if you ever read like John three versus John four, there's like a lot of parallels and in it, you, you kind of have like this, this contrast of here's this woman that recognizes Jesus, but she's this outsider Samaritan, you know, so on. And then you have one of the leaders who's like coming up like, Oh, good teacher. And Jesus is like, yeah, I'm, I'm not a teacher. I'm either God or I'm not like, you should know this. Mm-hmm. Like and he straight up tells him, yeah. he's like, are you not one of the teachers? How, how, how is this complicated for you? You should already know this. And it's just funny to me the way that, and he, he, again, he chastises him out of love. You know what I mean? Like it's, he's not like getting frustrated with him and like stupid. Like he's literally saying like, you should already know this. This shouldn't be complicated to you. Like get, you know, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing if this is complicated to you. And it's yeah. like, as a teacher, um, and Steve, you would, you would know this as well. Cause you, you taught for a while. Um, when you give out your assignment to your student, and they come back with the assignment not done according to your standards, you're angry not because they offended you, because you're like, I have to give you a bad grade, and I give you every opportunity. You know what I mean? Like, the only reason you're lost is because you have not paid attention. Like, had you been paying attention, you wouldn't yeah. be like, I don't, what am I supposed to do? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you, like I've been laying it out for you. You have not been putting in the, the time to, to do that. And you're, like, to me, I would get frustrated not because... I was offended, but because I was like, I don't want to give you a bad grade. Like I'm going to work with you, but clearly you, you know what I mean? Like you're not even meeting me halfway. Like I'm doing yes. all the work for you. And that's that. I, I think that's where the bulk of Jesus's offense came from too. It was, a, it, it was offense when either his creation or his father were being offended or were being 
um, insulted yeah. by or, or mistreated by the people who claimed to follow right, exactly. God. Right. So this wasn't Jesus right. holding unnecessary or, or, or impossible standards against people outside of the right. camp. They were to the people who claimed that they were his people. And, and every instance I see in his ministry of him interacting with people who had not accepted him yet from outside, you know, Judaism or Christendom, however you want to frame that, yeah. right? But the established connecting religion mm-hmm. to, to the one true God. I, um, every time I see him interact, he always started from a place of, well, let me love you, let my love change you, then we can worry about the details about how you respond to that love. Yeah, I've, I've always said that the worst... What's way worse to me than even something like Good Omens, because I don't, it doesn't bother me when someone who hasn't really studied God and doesn't really know him misrepresents him. Because I'm like, you, you, you haven't met him. You just don't understand him. It bothers me when someone who should know him and claims to know him misrepresents him. So it bothers me a lot more when I hear pastors saying, you know, rhetoric and sermons that are misrepresenting God. That bothers me a lot more. Um, I'll even say it, like the prosperity gospel bothers me infinitely more than good omens or yeah. Lucifer or any yeah. of that stuff. Christians blaspheming Christians yeah. like blaspheming someone right someone saying God. that oh God's right. going to give you money is way more offensive to me than any of that other stuff because I'm like well that's not God you know supernatural or all this yeah. other stuff it's like that okay sure Hellboy like none of that I'm not going to go watch it but. It doesn't like it doesn't offend okay, me because see, I'm like you don't thing. know him. for 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 these people who are mad at a show like Good Omens they're saying like okay it's not an they could just not watch it yeah but no it's not enough the fact that they it don't watch it, in the, the world yeah you get rid of it on. don't make it it's like yeah I'll be honest why? I see that as a lack of faith that they have to somehow defend the Almighty God who can breathe a star into existence like if they didn't step like I I I I understand the idea of we should not just readily accept things that misrepresent God in, in, in any way, shape, or form, right? Yeah. Like, just the idea... But the idea that we have to protect God? Yeah, protect the Lion of Judah. Right, right, right. I remember the last time I had like, to and, 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 and I mean, there, there are definitely instances in Scripture where God says, you know, I'm a jealous God, and you should you should react to things that are, are offensive to me in, in, in an appropriate manner, right? But I feel like for us to do that, we have to be focused on our own walk with Him and not like seek out these confrontational things, especially yeah. ever since, again, I go back to Christ's ministry, right? We're called to love other people the way he first loved us, which was while scripture says we were yet his enemy, Jesus loved us, right? Yeah. So in, I, I, I don't see loving someone while they're still our enemy starting from a place of contention and outrage. Yeah. You know, does that make sense? Well, and I think there's a well. The, the, I think part of the problem is that we see. I, I get that scripturally, like the language we use in, in, in scripture is enemy. But I think the fact that we use that rhetoric in conversations with people outside of outside of the camp, so to speak, right? Like I think I think there's there's a flaw to see. Enemy is not the same. It's not like we're at war with each other, right? Um, it's more that they're just the ones that are not on the same side as you, right? At if, the moment. I mean, if you if you want to look at it as like something that's not in harmony with what scripture teaches, yeah. it's again. It, yeah. it does kind of come down to semantics, but 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 I think like if you're starting from this place of these are the things that are different, and you have to correct your behavior before we can even like yeah connect together before I can respect you or love you. I don't see that from Christ's example. Yeah. I see in his example, I love you, 
let this love be a witness, and then the Holy Spirit will, will begin yeah. to transform the people, not yeah. not us demanding a transformation I think of that's people. that's the other thing is, is, to me, I always recognize, like, if I believe something is real or true or my perception of it is correct, I'm not worried when someone misrepresents it because I know that it's going to come through. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I love others. Try to pick the least offensive team. I love the Dodgers, Los Angeles Dodgers. So if it, when yeah, that wasn't comes offensive to anyone. And misrepresent, like they're like, oh, you're they're like this, like that, and that. And I can come back and be like, well, actually, it's it's not this and this and this. And this. You know, if I have facts to back it up, if I have kind of truth to back it up, it's like, well, I I understand why you feel that way, but I'm not super worried because that I know that that's not true, and so I know that the truth is eventually going to come out that they are the best team. Uh-huh. Sure. In the in the yeah. National League, um, and they will eventually go to the World Series. Just remember Game so, One of the World Series last year. I, I, I am, so I am, I am glad that you so said much. the National League because history recently would suggest that Shut it's, up. That's multiple times in a row. Actually, but that's, that's yeah. the thing. Like when strange. it comes to, when it comes to Christianity, like I'm, it, it really doesn't bother me. Like I've had a lot of people, especially for the Seventh Adventist Church, because we tend to have this air of mystery about us. I don't know if it's self inflicted or other people just kind of to put on us. But like, I remember going to Israel one time and these other Christians were kind of like trying to explain our church to the Jews uh, or is- Israelites, uh, Israelites, Israelis. Wow. And, and, uh, and they were not doing a good job of it. That's basically the best way I can say it. Like they were not doing a good job of it. So I just kind of sat back patiently and, and they're like, like you guys are kind of like this and this and that. Right. And I was like, well, um, no, but that's cool. Like, I was like, ah, it's interesting to hear your perspective on it because they were kind of bashing us, not necessarily in, in angry or spitefully, but they're like, well, they're not really Christian. Well, and I'm like, really? It's so interesting because I, I we that, are. I think that that brings up an interesting point too then, right? And it's like, if you have to explain it, I feel like you're already on the back foot, like, as opposed to just living it and letting, letting the example that you get from living it be the evidence. Well, I mean, right? I think sometimes you like, do. Well, I, 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 to a point, yes, yeah. but, but I guess well, I'm, I'm coming up from the standpoint, like I've never argued anybody into accepting Jesus the way that I view it. You see, know what I mean? Yeah, like, but like that's the, the, the point is that we're not even trying to argue. Like this is my point. We're not even trying to argue people into a relationship with Jesus. Like let, let, let's take, we're not even, we're not even yeah, trying to do that much. We're not even much. there. We're just like, like you you can't you can't say the way you say it. You have to say it the way I am comfortable with yeah, you saying. Like so, well, sorry, Steve, go ahead, finish your point. I'm just saying, I think that that attitude that you just brought up, right, that the you have to see, speaks to a lack of empathy. I, I I'm saying that I think when done correctly, Christianity is very empathetic. I look again at Christ's ministry; he was very empathetic. Doesn't mean you agree or condone with something, but he at least understood why someone would come from the position that they yep. came from. And there was a willingness to see something from somebody else's point of view as a starting point of mutual understanding. I think going back to your question, like, you know, why do we do some of these things? I, th- I think it, it stems from not being willing to take that step back and extend empathy to somebody else. I think when we don't, then you see these points of contention and you see Christianity viewing people as an other or an outsider and, and in such a way that you have to correct behavior or demand uh, an adherence to my own yeah. because, and ironically you're doing 
exactly what's upsetting you, right? You're demanding somebody else yeah. be exposed to your viewpoint in a way that that inconveniences or disrupts their well, current. This is okay. So way of living, I think. Right. Well, I think the other big thing, and it's something that I've I've run into a lot on across Christianity, which is the idea that um, we are a Christian nation. A, we're not. And then B, that we need to make ourselves a good Christian nation, and that's why God is, you know, that's why bad things are happening is because we're not being Christian enough. And I'm like, neither of those things are biblical. I could somewhat understand if Seventh-day Adventists did that a little bit. I disagree with it, but I also understand why, like, okay, I can kind of see why you would want that. But I disagree with that entire mentality because it's like, a, we're not a Christian nation. Nor have we ever been. Nor have we ever been. Oh, but no, there's one John Adams quote. One tiny John Adams quote that says we're founded on uh, Judeo-Christian values. And so we were clearly founded on Judeo-Christian values. <laughs> I know a he lot of other deist. founding fathers like Thomas Jefferson. Uh, it doesn't matter. We need the one quote humanly to Humanly disagree. Yeah. Nope, we, we needed just the one. We <laughs> so, just need the one for confirmation bias, Steve. And, That's but, it. And then this is the other thing, which is like, and I have no problem with Judeo-Christian values. That's how I live my life. But I'm saying like, that's, we made treaties and then broke them a lot, like a lot. So, and then beyond that, even this, this idea that we have to make this, like take this nation back, God. And it's like, well, that's not how we win. Like we don't win by making it a, a messianic state. Um, like that's not how it goes. And so I think that's the thing that we really need to, it's like people forget why we need to separate church and state. It's like they completely forget about that concept because it's like, no, 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 no. Like we don't need that to move forward. That's not how we win. That's not the end game. And we were talking a little bit about like, it's not enough for me to be ahead. Like you have to lose. And it's like, that's not, that's where in the Bible does it say that? You know, even in the great commission, it's like go out and preach. Like the end will come when everyone has heard about the gospel. It doesn't say they have to accept it. You know what I mean? And that's like Luther, one of the big things that one of the big, I mean, I have a lot of issues with Luther, but one of the big issues I have with him is his view on Jews. He was like, yeah, we need to like torture them into believing. And it's like, which is one of the things that we addressed again on that. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. With, with and it's like, Zach. Yeah. Well, so Tony was a little bit of overlap. Right. But I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm letting like, the listener yeah, know so if you're wondering, the episode the, again. The, the, yeah. we, we dug into that a little bit, a couple of episodes. Uh, right. So that'd be good. I highly recommend you listen to that. And it was literally last episode. Actually release order. Yeah. It's going to be last episode. So if you, if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and take a listen. It's worth it. Point being that that's. Oh, I'm the, sorry. Have you been trying to talk for the last 15 minutes and the other what? two people won't let you? You know what? On your own you show? Know what? Has that been happening? You know what? <laughs> sorry. Continue, Tony. No, I think that was it, actually. I yeah. think that's it. No, I, uh, <laughs> I think. So there, there are two more instances I want to bring up. One is yeah. one is in the the instance of LGBTQ mm. and the way that we protest at Pride Month events, the way that we protest at different things, right? It's not just enough that I'm not gay. You can't be gay either. Like that's, like it is your, you being LGBTQ+, you being whatever you identify as is, is so inappropriate that you are not allowed to be it in this place because it bothers me and it makes me uncomfortable. And I, I, and I think I agree with you, Steve, that it is a lack of empathy, but I think also it's fear. It's, it is straight up fear-based discipleship. Yeah, I agree. And um, I think those are two yeah. often linked. I mean, the fear ideas. leads to a lack of empathy or at least an unwillingness or, or to vice, have or yeah. vice versa. Yeah, yes, exactly. And yeah. I think, um, and with Adventism, I do find it funny that, that specifically in Adventism, actually, because we do have a doctrine based off of revelation uh, where we do th- 
see America playing a very, right, exactly. very big and vital yeah. role on the wrong side of the I was going to say team. a very, very negative role yeah, in biblical prophecy. Yeah, a very negative role in biblical prophecy. And yet we sit here with flags in every single one of our sanctuaries, and we... we um, and we're saying we need to take our country back, and this this country was founded about Jesus. And it's like, like this surprises you? Like, yeah, does know, this right. really surprise you? But yeah. so surprise, no, disappoint, yes. And the and the hypocrisy is really funny because literally just this past, just just recently in Alaska, I believe a um, some some town member or city member won the right somehow won the right. I forget how she won, but like the 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 right to do this, but. Um, she got to open a a town meeting, like a town hall style meeting. I saw, I saw this. Yes, yeah. with uh, with a prayer. Yeah, and it wasn't a Christian prayer; it was a Church of Satan prayer. Yeah, uh, and so and she ends it. She says, "Hail Satan!" I think like three times yeah. in the prayer. Yeah. And during her prayer, four people walked out. All these Christians are protesting. Twenty five thousand signatures trying to ban the satanic prayer from um, from government from the government building. Um, yeah, 25,000 signatures in less than 24 hours of the petition being formed. And I fi- just find it so ironic that Christians, um, once again, even more so specifically Adventists, who are so big with religious liberty, would then turn and go, yeah, religious liberty for us, but not, yeah, not for right, you. Exactly. Right, Like our government gets to pray cr- in a Christian way, but they don't, like they're not allowed, no, like, we don't allow them to pray in any other faith well, tradition. Well, the reason why school shootings are happening is because we removed prayer from the, okay, then let Muslims pray. Well, that's not what I meant. Okay, so you don't you don't really want prayer. You want you, you want, want your yeah. prayer. Well, it goes, I think it goes back to you know separation of church and state and all yeah. that stuff, which is a, another can of worms. I think for another podcast, I don't think we can right. adequately. No, but this plays. No, but this think, plays but it definitely does play a role yeah. in it, right? This idea that like, which for me again, I, I go back to something I said earlier. I, I I kind of view it as a lack of faith on the Christians' part when they get so worked up about this, like I trust my God to be the one to fight my battles for me. Everything I see in scripture speaks of a God who says, I will fight for you. Not you have to do the dirty work for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, and I, so I, so when, when people get that worked up, honestly, to me, I think it stems from a lack of faith in God's ability to be who he says he is. Yeah. Like we have to define it for other people. We can't let God be God. Yeah. Well, it's like you were you were talking about with the with the you know, the LGBTQ plus like the gay pride parades. The people were so offended by that. Like, just don't wave it in my face. I'm like, okay, well then remove all the crosses. You cannot drive for more than an hour anywhere in this nation. Well, maybe LA, but you can't drive for more than an hour anywhere in this nation without seeing a cross. You can in West Texas. You, 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 you can in West Texas only because there's there nothing, nothing out in West Texas. Yeah, and true. you can do it. You can do it in LA because that's you won't true. have gone anywhere. Yeah, you, that's you, true. You'll true. have made it You'll three have been feet. in your car yes. for yeah. an hour. Um, but like you can across the Midwest, like I mean, it's literally everywhere and I'm like, okay, well then take those down as well. And I'm not saying again, that's my I'm I, that's my personal, like, I, you know, I don't love the cross. I love the resurrection and everything, but, but I'm like, that's a symbol yeah. of my religion. That's a symbol of my beliefs, the Christianity. It's an accepted symbol of who we are, the ectus, all that stuff. And I'm like, so if you're offended by a pride flag, then you should also even the field and be like, all right, cool, but then take down all the signs. Yeah, well, and this is, this is, this is the, the irony, right? Christians are talking so much about the fear of Sharia law 
and the oh, fear yeah. of Muslims, you know, and, and Islam being enforced on them, but will happily enforce it. Do you know how hard it is to be an atheist and run for office in, in America? It's pretty much a or, guaranteed or, loss. Or, or a Muslim and run for or office. Or a Muslim and well, run for office. Like, I, it's incredibly difficult. Yeah. I was in my church in Texas, and one of the judges, I won't say which county, I won't say whatever, but I was in a church. It was in Texas. They let him go up to speak. I think it was like a religious liberty service or whatever, and he came and spoke about how he prays in his community or he prays in this courtroom and he's going to fight all those, you know, liberal so-and-sos in Austin who are telling him he can't pray in his courtroom. And I was like, no, I am a hundred percent with Austin because if I'm a Muslim who comes in and I have been taken advantage of by a Christian and then you, a white man come up and pray to your Christian God and he's wearing the same paraphernalia and praying to his Christian God do I really think I'm going to get justice in your courtroom? Why on earth would I feel yep. like I'm going to get a fair? Yeah, impartiality shake? is not there anymore. It isn't there anymore. And it's like, look, I have no problem with you praying in your in your quarters or afterwards. Or what, like, I have no problem with you saying it's because I'm a Christian that I'm making this ruling. I have no problem with that. But you need to be able to acknowledge the fact that we do not live in a, in a place with only one religion. Well, we're trying. We're basically trying to treat this, like Christians try to treat America as if it's a theocracy where the Christians are the voice of God. Yeah. That's, that's literally what we try to do, right? Um, and this is, I say we, I don't know that I've ever, like, really, but I'm trying to own that, like, I'm a part of the culture, one way or the other, whether I like it or not. I'm right. A, this is a we thing. Like, if you call yourself a Christian, you have a hand this in either influencing yeah. people or or not. This is this is a thing where yeah we either we either band together and fix these problems or we don't. And uh, it, it's why I, I I'm so I'm always I again I get offended when I see Christian protesting LGBTQ plus events, but not the Westboro Baptist Church. I was so happy well, when I Cracker mean, just, Barrel when Cracker Barrel was like, no, the guy who said you know we need to kill the homos. That's a quote, by the way, uh, when he said we need to, like, kill them. When Cracker Barrel was like, yeah, no, you can't host your event here. We're not okay with that. I was like, well, I, good I, on you, Cracker Barrel. I think we should even say or, the idea that a Christian should protest an LGBTQ event is wrong in my mind. We're called the love people. Yeah. We're not called to love people once they conform right. to the way that I see the world. So to me, again, right, I go back to Christ's example. He, he lived in a time and a place where everything about the culture around him ran counter to what we see in Scripture as God's ideal. But he didn't start by berating anybody or by tearing anybody down for living the wrong way. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He loved people, right? He said, let me be your connection to true love and, and, and to a, an experience with God, right? And, and, and so I, I feel like we as Christians, we're called to do the same, right? We're called to love people, to get to know people. I, I don't see how you can share the gospel with somebody if you're looking down your nose at them, Right? Like how how can you say I'm here to to love you the way God loved me and think of them as somehow lesser or other? 
Well, and so two things. To I, that. Ju- I just want to clarify before you go. I wasn't saying protest both. I'm not you. I know. I'm not saying you are. And the West I'm not saying you are. I'm saying, but I'm saying there are many people that look at it that way, though. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying you. I'm not saying you are. Just the, but just the idea that we have to protest people for existing as a Christian is is abhorrent to me. I love that no one understood any of that exchange just now. I did, but so that's really all that matters. Yes, no, I agree with you, Steve. And 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 two things here. Number one, Steve, I'm really glad that five minutes into this podcast, you put your stake in the ground and you have not left it. Like you, you're like I keep going back to Christ and the way He loves people because that's where we go back to. I just that, love that. Should be our anchor yeah. point. No, no, I, I, I agree. No, yeah, no I, I yeah just, exactly. Yeah, I think it's funny, uh, and I think it's great. Thank you. Um, but the 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 second half of that is. Once again, I go back to Adventism, but really there are, there, are, there are a few great equalizers in Christianity. The first being the cross and resurrection, right? right, right. This, is, yeah. this is what we're, we're, yeah. where Jesus dies for everyone, for everyone because all have fallen short. It doesn't matter how short you fall, right? right? Whether you're in the shallow end of the pool or the deep end of the pool, you're still in the pool. Right. Whether your foot's on fire, your hand's on fire, all of you's on fire, you're yep. still going to go, I'm on fire, someone put me out. Yep. So, right, all have fallen short. Right, so that's that's equalizer number one. Equalizer number two within Adventism is the Sabbath, right. where it says you don't work, but neither that nor your 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 son nor your daughter, your male servant, your livestock, and the earth. Right. Yet another Every, reference back to the Zach Payne episode. Yeah, ev- everything, everything gets um, everything is equal in it, or everyone and everything is right, equal yeah. in those two theological frameworks. Yeah. And then we look at people who don't believe the way we do, and we go, oh, yeah, but you're not equal because you don't live as good as I do. Yeah. Um, we do that to other Adventists within Adventism yeah, we do. before very, we very even much so. yeah. get into the, the, the bigger. Yeah. yeah. I, and, and, and that's what I say, one of the things that frustrates me, because we are called to live like Christ, not each other. And, and, and I don't think we always do a good job of seeking the kingdom of God first and letting all these things be added unto us. I think we start in other areas hoping that it'll lead to seeking to the kingdom. You know what I mean? Okay, so I want to, but I want to challenge this to some extent. Fair. Because there has, there, there's a line somewhere, right? So because at some point you, you just delve into moral relativism and you just go, yeah. okay, whatever no. you believe is fine, whatever I believe is fine. And at some point there's an overlap there where like, okay, if you, if, if, because if, sort of what we're arguing for to some extent is, um, is, you know, it's okay for someone to live in a way that isn't in line with the way I live um, before they, you know, decide to believe what I believe. Right. And we don't need to be offended by that. But, like, if I believe that murder is not okay and you believe that murder is okay, who gets to, like, do you get to murder or do I get to not be murdered? Do you see, like, so wh- what's, the, what's the line and how, how do we determine it? Because, like, there has to be a line somewhere because not everyone can just live the way they want. I, right. Yeah. I would agree with that. And from a societal standpoint, we have the federal government and state and local governments that kind of step in and provide a lot of that framework, right? But society, so it's like, we are Christian. Society so, kind right, of, yeah. Right, right. But, but, I mean, to, to, to that example, right? Like, do, do you have a right to not be murdered? Absolutely. Um, I can make the choice to murder you. There will be consequences, right? But Yeah, I'm murdered. But a framework is there. You know what I'm saying? That we've all agreed upon from a societal standpoint. So looking at that in the context of Christianity, like we still have the same framework, right? But I think especially in terms of how we interact with other people who may not agree with us, if we start trying to interact with them by saying, accept the framework, listen to what I have to say, 
it doesn't really produce productive results. I'm saying that we should start by introducing them to the reason that we have the framework, which is Jesus. We should start by loving them. And then having built a relationship based on love for who they are as a child of Christ in Jesus, right? Whether, whether, even whether they accept that identity or not, my knowledge of the fact that they are a child of God and I'm called to love them as such should be the starting point for our interactions. And then whether they ask the question or we introduce the ideas of why we believe what we believe, it's coming from a standpoint of I'm sharing this with you because I love you and I care about you as opposed to you're doing the wrong thing and I have to correct that behavior. Is there, well, yeah, does that make sense? I always go back to what are the qualifications for being fed, being given water, being visited, clothing, etc. in Matthew 25. Like what are, what are the qualifications? You just need to be hungry. It doesn't say feed the hungry, but only if, it's oh, you're saying, yeah, you, I was hungry, yeah, you like, fed me, I was thirsty, you gave me yeah, drink. Yeah, it was that, like, that it's literally just the person who was hungry, the person who was thirsty, the person who was, like, go and minister to the people who need it, regardless of their background, regardless of their beliefs, regardless of where they are. I and mean, Paul, would, Paul would say, you know, take care of your own community first, but feed the hungry. I mean, that's the end of the story. Okay, but so a couple problems here. Number one. Is there a text, this is actually a question more than a problem, is there a text that actually does say that everyone is a child of God outside of Christianity as well? Because the way that I've read, I I could be wrong here, but the way that I've read Scripture is you are adopted as a son or a daughter of Christ when you accept, right? Or or a son or daughter of God when you accept Christ's sacrifice. And and I I do think that I haven't seen biblical evidence for us saying that that people are children of God outside of the creations of God, sure, Right, like like a, a result of his creation, sure, and certainly loved and valued by God, yes. But it almost seems like we're cheapening those that are sons and daughters of God by by saying that those outside the camp are also sons and daughters of God. See, I would argue back with that with Romans, the very beginning of Romans, Romans one. You know, everyone is under sin. Why are we all under sin? Because we have all been given a chance to see God, understand Him, and move on with Him. Right, and that's the very beginning of Romans. That's how Paul starts it. He's like, let me let me just explain. I would say that's part of that, that equalizer. But, but Romans one does it does Roman? I'm actually looking it up on my like. Does it actually say that um, that people outside or people who haven't accepted Christ are still yeah. considered? He says everyone is under this condemnation because God has revealed Himself to all of them. We are all His children, and we are all revealed as uh, uh, not having seen his abundance in nature and different things. Like, he's revealed himself to the world, to every one of his children. No, but that's not—that's what I'm saying. That's not the biblical justification for whether or not someone is a son or a daughter, just that they've seen God. It's that they've accepted God. That's what I'm saying. But— this is leading to somewhere. I, I promise I'm not just trying okay. to argue no, no, with no, us I, a I tiny biblical that, but point. But that's what I'm saying is you can't— Steve's like, I have a verse. I'm the, just waiting to read it. Well, the, the like he doesn't talk about the animals because the animals, right? He, he brings up specifically humans because humans have the ability. Anyone who is self-aware and cognizant and and uh, what's the sentient, right, um, and is able to choose and understand who God is and decides not to make that choice, they are children of God. I. 
specifically was thinking of Luke 15 and the three parables of how God sees people, right? So we have the, the lost sheep, the lost coins, and the prodigal son. And in the framework of those three things, we see how God feels about people who are part of the flock and are lost and, and, and know it. We have people who might not even know that they're lost, right? So there's no like established relationship with, with the coin. And then we have the people who go out of their way to make themselves lost. And, and, and they push God away. And in those three examples, I see a God who loves equally all of his children. So I and and I see it I see it over and over and over again in Scripture. But I, I those three specifically, as far as God's attitudes towards us as sinful, rebellious humans, I see God loving us all the same, us having equality in His eyes as His children. Whether we accept the gift of salvation or not, whether we accept our position as His children, He leaves up to us. Right? You can look over and over again in Scripture, and there are consistent reminders that we have salvation available to us whether we choose to accept it or not is up to us yeah but that's but, like it's, saying, but it's there I mean, so so i'm coming at it from i guess that point of view right yeah. that we are we're all his children i see the, okay but that's like my point i disagree with i agree with everything you're saying i disagree with labeling i don't see the bible labeling people outside of christianity children of god He's saying, no, come and be adopted by God and become his children. That's like walking into an orphanage and saying, hey, you're my son, whether you like it or not. I've, I've offered the uh, adoption papers. Like, this is, and there's a reason I say, like, well, I maybe, maybe I go back to where scripture says, I've, I knit you together in your mother's womb before you were born. But that was poetic language. That wasn't, right. that wasn't but, like. But, 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 but do, 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 you, do you feel then that people who have not accepted him yet are are loved any less by him? No, that's no, right, no. and so that's what I'm saying. Like, I I, I feel like we're we're all his children okay. in that sense, right? I, I'm if you want me to use different language, it might no, just be a the, semantic okay, so thing. Let me get let me get to the yeah, final get, the get finality the, yeah, of my point here. Um, I was hoping that there was a scripture that that showed me otherwise. I, I, was, I, was, I was asking, say, yeah, but, and if yeah. and if someone's listening to this and can think of one, like hit me up with um, it. The, I think Galatians has that. For the 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 problem I run into well with all of this is we love them as children of God, or or we love people. The problem is that. I can agree that I should love them, and you can agree that I should love them, and someone who thinks completely different me, differently from me and you and, and Tony, you, can, can love, uh, should love people, and love is a solution, but we're not defining love. So if I say I need to love the LGBTQ person for who they are, does that mean that I accept even the parts of them that, that, um, that disagree with the way that I believe or disagree with the way I live. And if they, if they choose to join my camp, did I really love them? Um, if I'm also telling them to change now to join the camp, um, did I, did I love that's like, we don't have a solid definition for love. We're just saying like, let's love people. And everyone thinks they're already loving. Like Westboro Baptist church thinks that they are loving people by calling out their sins. People protest, Christian protesters out, like when I was in line to see Rob Bell, there were Christian protesters out there um, preaching, and, and they believed that they were loving people by preaching that they would be condemned if they went and listened to Rob Bell. Like, what is the definition of love? And I get, like, orphan, widow, I get it. Um, but, like, there's, there's a practical nature of how, what does love look like when I'm looking at the orphan um, and the widow? What does love actually, what, what is the tangible 
action of it, and, or what are the principles by which I decide that? Because otherwise we back ourselves into a corner by telling Christians and, and telling ourselves, like, yeah, we just need to love people, because it's just confirmation bias 101. Well, see, but then I would go back to, that's the difference between accountability and, uh, uh, what's, the, what's the word on the structure of the C? Um, conviction, right? We take the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the only one in the scriptures that ever convicts. And I wish I had the verses off the top of my head to do that. But if you read read through, anytime you read about conviction, it's always the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts. Conviction is when it's kind of that epiphany moment with Paul, right? I am not doing right. It's the thing that those Christian people believe they're doing. That's not their job. Accountability is when you and I exist in relationship and you have explained to me that, for instance, today you're wearing a pink shirt, right? If you come to me as a friend and say, I really truly believe that wearing a pink shirt um, is, is wrong, and one day I see you wearing a pink shirt, then my job as your Christian brother, right, is to come to you and say, dude, why are you wearing a pink shirt? You, you said you think this is wrong. You believe this is wrong. That's accountability. We are called to be accountable. The Bible is very, very clear about that. But we're not called to convict. That is with the Holy Spirit. So we can preach, we can present, but we are not called to convict. And that's the difference between with the protesters and all those people. They're not loving them because they have not established a relationship beforehand. So they're not a, if these people aren't aware, then all they can do is present. And they might say, yeah. well, I am presenting. I'm presenting aggressively. It's like, okay, well, that's not effective, though. You're not, you're not solving a problem for them. And that's where I think Steve's kind of bringing up the idea of you can't explain enough to them, right, if they are interested in going and hearing that. And I think that's the important thing to understand is my going up and yelling at you is never going to convince you to stop. I can either say, hey, don't touch this. This is hot. It's going to burn you. And then you decide for yourself whether or not you want to go forward with that. As a Christian, my job is then to sit there and walk you through that process. So if you do get burned, I can sit there and go, okay, and I'm going to dress up your wounds, and I'm going to heal it, and I'm going to help you. But I cannot sit there and stop you from burning. And that's the difference, right? Yeah, that's the difference. But- is Neil Gaiman can't be on here. Uh, good Omens has to go. All this has to go because it's bad. Well, God allows a lot of bad things in this world. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. God doesn't only allow good things. And actually, there are moments in Scripture where, where Jesus literally does call something that was not a part of God's ideal good. Yeah. You can read the eunuchs in uh, Matthew 20, uh, Matthew 21, I think, 22, somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. In Matthew, there's where Jesus talks about the eunuchs. He's like, yeah, some were born this way. Some were, look, if, if you want to talk about God's original plan, God created Adam and Eve with genitals and told them to procreate. And now he's saying there are eunuchs. Some were born this way. Yeah, they're still good. Um, like he's yeah. literally calling something yeah. not ideal. Okay. He's, yeah. he's, he's saying that's allowed. And this is the words of Jesus. Which was Christ. very against, yeah, it was very against the culture at that time. So I think, yeah, like I, I understand where you're coming with that. I mean, I think the other thing, when you look at the, this is what the, the early church was wrestling with are the Gentiles children of God. And that's why you have acts. Oh, I say 14 with the, no, it's acts 10, I think. With the coming to the the Peter's vision and all that. Acts 9 and 10, yeah. Acts 9 and 10. You know, that's why you have that. That's why you have Paul's whole ministry to the Gentiles is because he's like, no, no, they're part of this too now. Mm -hmm. And so... I still feel like 
once again, another Reddit, maybe I'm letting Reddit influence me too much. We all are. Um, like there, there was no, actually I saw this one on Facebook. Um, saw a comment well, where that's or, definitely not a yeah, good place. Someone to... was basically like, um, funny that we attach so many conditions to God's unconditional love. Like we will sit there and preach. God's love is unconditional. It literally comes without conditions. And then we say, but to accept that love, there are conditions. Um, and, and yeah. it, it, it's interesting to me that the way that's communicated now, logically it does make sense. God loves you regardless of what conditions you're in and no matter what, but for you to follow him, God says, all right, cool. Yeah. There's there, certain there are conditions that, yeah. for this relationship to be the case. I can love my wife unconditionally if I had one. And if she cheats on me, it doesn't mean that I didn't, it doesn't mean I don't love her unconditionally. It means that she didn't love me or she didn't keep the covenant part, right? Yeah. She did not keep she no covenant decides, relationship yeah. and she didn't desire. Does it change the fact that I love her? No. It's the same reason you feel for an ex after things end. Um, you still have loved them even if they've rejected it. So I get it. Um, but I think sometimes we, we mischaracterize or, or, or we, uh, yeah, we mischaracterize the love of God by the way we do treat others and the way we do love with an agenda. Because ultimately, if I am going to love someone outside the camp and I want them to join the camp, eventually there's going to be the conversation of, here are the things that need right. to change for right. you to join the camp, for you to join the club. But I don't think, and I think for the point of this conversation, I don't think that conversation requires the elimination of anything out there that disagrees with me. Because I think my thing is better than all of that other stuff. Mm. And I think if you were to if you were to watch the way that I truly live my life and the joy that it brings, then you're not then you're going to see that the good omens mm -hmm. is just a fake story and it's just an interesting story. You're going to see that all that isn't true, and it's going to make you be like, well, okay, but I see what they have and yeah. I want what you have. Yeah, and Steve, I I, I do want to be clear. Like I fully agree with pretty much everything you've said. Um, it was the, it was the caveat. Part of that was like a personal chip on my shoulder with the phrase children of God. But part of that, um, as well as I really did want to get to this point of how do we actually love people? Because love is the anchor of everything and loving people like Christ did is the anchor. But what does that look like in, in, in right now? Practically, I go to John 13 verses 34 and 35, where Jesus says a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another, right? So not just love one another, but Jesus is saying, as I have loved you. And I think that's the kicker for me yeah, in understanding that, right? Because he even says it there. How many people call themselves Christian and act in a manner which profanes the name and beliefs of Christ? Does not live, yeah. Right? And, and how much harm has that done? Because people say, well, if that's what God love looks like i want no part of it that's what it means to be a christian i want no part of it so i the think the famous I, Gandhi quote right yeah and uh, i think that jesus saying to not just love each other but do it as i have loved you for me yeah. is the kicker it's it's exactly yeah. what you're talking well, about there. and to be fair there are times where we do love like christ and people still say if that's your god i don't want any part of it which is uh, their because, prerogative yeah, and they're allowed yeah. to choose that we don't have to yeah, make them. I just accept yeah. the love, but as far as I'm called to love somebody else, right? Yeah. Well, and and so which means I love with free will, which means I love understanding that it might burn me and hurt me. It means I yeah. I love somebody fully understanding that they might walk away. Yeah. That's how God loves us. He loves us so much that He died on the cross to give us to give us the opportunity to still say no. 
Well, I think I think this is where I've landed in, in the study that I've been doing for the last probably six to eight months on trying to understand this definition of love because it is something that we all agree on, like the idea that loving makes the world better. Um, it's something that most people agree on in general. Um, the definition that I've really kind of landed on is uh, that loving someone means active participation in the well-being and restoration of your neighbor or of someone else. And when I look at the Bible, the the idea there of the other or the neighbor is the person that you either have no reason to love, you have no desire to love, you think doesn't deserve the love, or actively actually doesn't deserve the love. Mm-hmm. Um, that is li- continually. If you want to talk about the least of these, go read Matthew 25 again mm-hmm. and, and, and start and redefine what you mean by the least of these. Because right now, the way we define the least of these is people that are lesser than us, when in reality, um, the least of these are the people that would, it would actively the word you used was inconvenience, inconvenience us to love. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, it's not just I'm serving the less fortunate. Let's talk about a criminal. Although, I, you, I was in prison although, and you visited although me. Although that yes. is absolutely a part of it. Yes. And in no way is lessened by doing exactly what no. you're saying. No, I, but I, I remember. Think, I, think, I yeah. think that it's important to understand how I've been loved by Jesus for me to turn around and do it. Yeah. You know what I mean, because that's the key for me. It's like it says, "Love, love others as I have loved you." It, I, I have to experience it for myself to then go and then pour myself into somebody mm-hmm. else. Or, or so if, if if we're coming at it from strictly a theoretical knowledge standpoint, having never experienced God's love, yeah. I don't think it's going to be. I remember enough. Keep I'm going to try. And find I don't think it's going to be enough to matter. Keep wanting to just be like, ladies and gentlemen, Prapakrak. What <laughs> the world? I, mean, I I remember seeing this on Twitter probably a year or two ago. I'm going to try and find it and put it in the show notes. But it was a um, it was an LGBTQ plus person who was walking, I think, in D.C. and he was approached by this group of Christians. It looked like it was a youth group, and they basically approached this guy and was like. I think it was a guy. It may have been trans, and it might have... I don't remember. Let me just put it that I'm just going to say that. I don't remember. So they, they approached this LGBTQ plus person, and um, and they basically say, hey, uh, can we pray for you? And he goes, sure. Why? And they were like, oh, well, you know, we just wanted to come out and, and really just want to... We wanted to pray for people who, who are broken. Mm. <laughs> and he was immediately offended by this. Or she was immediately offended. I really don't remember. The I, individual. I, yeah. I, was I understand that were, pronouns are really important, so I feel did. bad for just getting it wrong. But yeah, yeah this person was really offended because they're like, cool, so you took one look at me and assumed I was more broken than you and that I would benefit from your better than, you know, your better off prayers. They, there's a whole Twitter thread of them going. And, and even this person then offered to pray with them, like offered to pray in addition to them. And basically... um, in his prayer was just one sarcastic jab at their beliefs because, uh, and a reminder of, you know, don't let one, uh, one arm know what the other is doing, that kind of thing, like pray in secret and don't pray so that you, you look good in front of people. Um, and it was, it was really funny and I think ironic justice from him, from, from this individual, but it's one of those things where, yeah, we just keep looking outside the camp and thinking people are, people who don't think the way we do are worse off than us and they're not. It's not that they're worse off or they're 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 lower than us or lesser than us. It's that um, it's that they simply don't believe the way that we do. But we're all in the same boat, and it's time we all start rowing and, together. And I think, especially like kind of full circling it back to like how we started, like just because they exist doesn't mean that our beliefs are less valid. 
or matterless. And they can exist in their not like that's my thing is like free will is free will is free will. We can talk about all we want, but until we say you can choose to not be a Christian, like we as a society get together and decide certain rules, but you can decide not to believe yep. the way I believe. And, and I think and, it's important. And I'm okay with that. And I think and it's I important as a Christian to not You're just be lost, okay with that. To not just be okay with that, but to say, and I love you just as much. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I'm still going to want, you know, whatever, I'm not gonna, what, where, wherever, where, wherever you. I think sometimes you have to like dust, 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 kick the dust off your shoes and like, all right, well, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to continually yeah. push, you know, like keep right. trying but, to but get even you to in, do even in that, you're showing, you're, 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 you, but I'm not going to give up. You can do that in a way that shows love by respecting. Yeah, I'm not going to give up. Yeah. Just somebody else's like, right, beliefs and choices. Yeah. Jesus I'm let people walk away from that. Yes. Like, <laughs> and, and he, and he didn't denigrate them when they did. Nope. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and so again, I go, I, yeah. I, I go back to him as the anchor point for, for everything, right? As a Christian, I look at his example and the way that he treated people. And I feel like, that is what we're called to do yeah. to love people like that so and it it, it might it, it take a recognition that it's going to be harder for us than we may initially accept but but having empathy i think is necessary to truly love others the way that christ did and that means recognizing that if we might be inconvenienced, I don't know if y'all can see my air quotes on the radio, right? But it, but it, we might be inconvenient. That's fine. That's that's take take that on as part of your burden. Yeah, you know what I mean. But but love love people like the example that you gave of the people. How how much more more powerful would it have been for them to start that conversation and say, "Can we pray for you?" That's great, great start. Okay, and when the other individual asks why you respond with because God loves you and we want to share that with you. Well, and I'll say, I'll, I'll say this. Oh, we this love is, you. Oh, yeah. We love yeah, you, we love you. Totally yeah. because we've love been you. loved. Yeah. We just want to share yeah. that with you. And that's what I'm saying. If you come at it from well, that standpoint, well, it doesn't well. matter. It does not matter whether the other people that you're interacting with are in agreement with you or not in terms of the choices you make, the lifestyle you live, any of these things, right? I, yeah. Identity is found, and this is why I go back to why, why I call it children of God, is because we are all equal in his sight. So my identity is found in Christ, so I can love other people just as equally as me, whether or not they agree with me, whether or not their actions yeah. are in line with mine or beliefs are in line with mine or choices or lifestyle are in line yeah. with mine. I think I, the, the way that I land on the children of God thing, just I, I granted I get that that was a full aside, is I think he loves us as if we are all his children, but he actually wants to make us officially all his children, if that makes sense. So he loves you as if you already are his son and daughter, and then he just wants to make it official. It's kind of like um, where I've seen, um, whether it's on TV or even in real life, where someone's parents die and there's best friend's family takes them in and raises them as if they're their own, and then he... Um, and, and then they eventually adopt. They loved him as if, you know, they were his, he was their son, and then they actually made it official. That's the way I see that. But I think where I land on this is, so kind of our opening question and our whole theme this episode really has been, can Christianity coexist without having to do so at the expense of the other? And here's, here's, where, I, here's where I land, especially with given the prophetic beliefs that I subscribe to, is no, I don't actually think that Christianity will ever exist. I think it can. I don't think it will ever coexist peacefully. Um, 
unfortunately, as a, as a whole system, as a system. Now, please, you're like, well, then why are you still Christian? Hold on, here's what I mean. Um, in, in Revelation, we, you know, in Adventism, we do teach um, this idea that the, the big deception that happens before Jesus comes back is actually a false form of Christianity that a lot of Christians end up buying into. Um, this false form of Christianity is the exact thing um, that won't allow others to coexist within it. It will force everyone out. And so this is what I say is the Christianity that cannot coexist peacefully. It is a false version of Christianity. But the true Christianity, one that does seek to love like Christ and love as Christ has loved it, and Christians in general, I believe we can peacefully coexist. I do believe we can love and, and exist alongside people without forcing them to conform to the way we believe or being offended by everything that... that you know, every yeah. disagreement that we have. So I, I, I think agree. there's a lot of onus here in the individual Christian to live that way. I, I agree. And I think that's the thing. Like, we have to be able to to say we can. That it has to be an, an effort on our part to live that way. And then if we do that and, and there's still no peaceful coexistence, it's not because we haven't attempted to do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Does that make sense, yes. right? Christians should not be the ones to bring disharmony is the best word I can think of, right? But it, contention, conflict, anger, yeah. conflict, that's a great word, in into the equation. If people choose to respond to God's love that way, kind of like what, what Tone said, right? We, we respect it and we, we allow them to and move on. We don't force our, our viewpoints or, or God's love on anybody but we should not be the ones introducing conflict yeah. and judgment mm-hmm. and condescension into the conversation if it's done right, I yeah. believe. By the way, the, the fun thing here, if you want to test your prejudice here, there's an easy, and you're an advent, if you're a Seventh day Adventist, you want to test your prejudice here, this is how you could test your prejudice. Ready? Go look up the great controversy, but translate that title into Arabic. <laughs> Um, you will be surprised at what the word controversy translates to in Arabic and then have fun with that. Um, Depending on how you react to that, you might know if you consider something, if you're you're treating something out of fear, out of anger versus out of love. Um, That is is a great litmus test right there for a lot of Adventists. Um, I'm not going to spoil that one. I might spoil it on a later episode, but go Google it. It's uh, it's fun. Um, Well, Tony, any final thoughts from you as we close out? Perfect. Bert Bacharach. <laughs> um, hey, Stephen, Tony, thank you guys for being here and for being on the show. Thank you for this conversation. I think we've ended in a pretty positive place, I think. So glad we could. Uh, that was my prayer before we started. And uh, really glad that we could we could do sure. that. So thank you guys so much for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. Um, and if you love what we do and want to consider supporting us financially, please head over to patreon.com slash absurdity podcast. It's kind of like a monthly version of Kickstarter where you can donate a dollar a month, $5 a month, you name it. Um, all patrons get episodes ad free and um, all $5 or more patrons get a bonus episode a month. And that number that's going to soon increase uh, because of some new ideas I have. So there's more content coming the Patreon way that will not be at the sacrifice or expense of content on the main show that's always free to whoever is listening and accessing it. So thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. 
The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.